Well, good morning. Let's get our Bibles out and turn to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4 as we uh, take a look at the last message in our series, In Between. In between. Remember, that's that part of our life, uh, not where we started um, and the part we're living in right now. Uh, that's the in between, but we're looking forward to all of this that's still to come. Uh, that's eternity. But we live in this in between time. And Paul was living in this in between time when he writes the letter to the uh, church at Philippi and uh, finds himself in prison, finds himself in hard circumstances. And yet in the middle of it, he finds himself with great joy joy and rejoicing because he found joy in the Lord. And so joy was not just some emotive thing that happened to him, but rather was a choice and a decision uh, based on who God is and all that God has done for him. And so even in the midst of his trial and being in prison and not knowing whether he would ever get out, he was a man filled with joy. Uh, what we want to take a look at today is a message entitled, Satisfied satisfied. There he is in prison. And he was satisfied. Uh, in the text we will see, it says, I have learned whatever situation I am to be content. Is that a word that people would use to describe you? Would they describe you as a person who is content? Would they de describe you as a person who is satisfied? We live in the top 5% of the world and yet people in North America, and often Christians included, are the most dissatisfied people in the world. Global statistics show that if you have a roof over your head and a meal on your table, you're richer than 93% of the people who are in the world. If a person wears a pair of shoes, he's richer than 75% of the people in the world. And, and I had to choose which pair of brown shoes to wear today. so dissatisfied sometimes. And Christians sometimes struggle with exactly the same thing that the world is struggling with. We live in a world where we're bombarded every day with advertisements. And the advertising, you see it when you click on your computer. You see it when you go down the street. You see it when you turn on the television. And, and what does it say? You need this, and you need this, and you need this, and you need this. And if you are really prosperous, I mean, you are really where you should be, you should have all of these things. That's the message we're bombarded with all of the time. And the result is we become dissatisfied. We become dissatisfied. But Paul said, I've learned. I've learned in whatever situation I'm going to be content. Some churches teach that if you uh, name it, God will give it to you. Dissatisfied. Some churches say that God wants you to have whatever you want to have. Dissatisfied. Paul found himself in prison, not sure if he was going to get out, not sure if he'd ever see these people, not sure where his next meal would come from, and yet the claim of his life was satisfaction and contentment. Would those be the words that are used to describe you today? Would those be the words that people use to describe me today? You got your Bibles open, I trust, by now. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his, his word, and I'm going to start at verse 10 uh, down through to the end of the chapter. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me when you, in, for you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. For I've received full payment and more, and I am well pleased, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this passage that uh, we have the opportunity to open and examine and see. Lord, when Paul wrote this letter sitting in a prison cell to the church at Philippi, he had no idea of the impact it would have on my life the impact it would have on the lives of the people in this church and in your church around the world for generation after generation after generation. Lord, thank you for preserving your word. And Father, the things that he will show us today, would you give us ears to hear the minds, God, to understand them, but more, God, would you give us hearts and a passion to live these things out so that we might demonstrate the love we have for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, contentment is a state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. Being satisfied with what we have, who we are, and where we're going. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so we find ourselves in our world, we find ourselves in the greater Toronto area, we find ourselves with so much just lavished on us, and yet if we're honest, we often find ourselves so dissatisfied, so not content, so I wish I had more. So let's take a look from this text at some of the things that Paul found satisfaction in and then ask yourself, are you finding satisfaction in those things as well? Here's the first thing. Paul was satisfied with God's people. Paul was satisfied with God's people. Look at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He is thankful for them through the lens of how God had used them and the gifts that they had sent to him. You remember in this letter, Epaphroditus had brought a gift from them to him, almost died in delivering it, but he was thankful. 
He was thankful for God's people. He was satisfied with God's people. Paul was an itinerant worker. He didn't uh, get a paycheck. It wasn't like my, my salary is now. The folks here give and they support amazingly well and, God, and I get a check. Uh, Paul didn't get it like that. Uh, people would support him. They would step up and they would help. And as he's in prison in Rome, this gift arrives from Epaphroditus. Uh, when they were working and building the church, not the physical building, but the spiritual building, it says we work night and day. And that's because they had to get jobs. They had to work to support themselves while they were doing the work of ministry. But then these gifts would come and, and they came on more than one occasion from the church at Philippi. And Paul stops at the very beginning of this as he's coming to the close of his letter and talks about how thankful he was for the church, for the church at Philippi. He was satisfied with God's people. Oh, here's a question for us then. Are we? Are we satisfied with God's people? Uh, look at the church that God has given us. We're meeting on two campuses for services and, and God's given us a group of people, not perfect people. Uh, some of you are downright pain in the neck sometimes. Not perfect people, but people who are learning to love and support and encourage and forgive one another. I think of our small groups and how we have the opportunity to come together and spur one another on to love and good deeds and not just talking about the easy things, but sometimes talking about difficult things. I was talking to a man this week who believed he needed to talk to a brother and, uh, and how do you do that and what's the right thing and should I do it and, and in love, bringing the truth we need to love each other because God's given us an amazing church. It's, it's his church. It's the body uh, joint together, uh, serving together. And Paul had learned to love the church. He had learned to love God's people and he was satisfied with them. Do you have satisfaction with the body of Christ and how we help and spur each other on? was the first thing. Here's the second thing, and these points are not going to be evenly weighted. This one's going to take up some space if you're taking notes, but he was satisfied with, satisfied with my circumstances. Ouch, right? Satisfied with my circumstances. Now, that one's where the rubber really hits the road. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 I kind of like the church we have, and we all get along, and we sing, and some people sing too loud, a couple people sing off-key, but, you know, I kind of like our church. I'm satisfied with that, but, but what about my circumstances? What about the lot in life that I find myself in? Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content Whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Whatever the situation, I am content. Paul went through times in his life where he had it all and he learned to be content with that. He also went through times in his life when he didn't have anything and wasn't sure where the next meal would come from. And he still was content. He learned this, the Bible says. It's not a switch you just flick on. It's a, it's a practice. It's a discipline of learning to be satisfied, learning to be content in your circumstances. I believe we need to kill the dragon of comparison in the church. 
We need to kill the dragon of comparison in the church. It sucks the sense of joy and contentment out of us when we compare to one another either in the church or others outside of the church. Paul said, whatever situation I have, whether I got the meal on the table or whether I don't, whether I have a roof over my head or whether I don't, whether I have abundance or whether I have nothing, I have learned to be content. But so often we find ourselves comparing to one another. Now, comparison isn't always evil. We can learn things from one another. Nothing wrong with that. If there's a person in your workplace and you go like, that guy's a superstar. And here's one of the things he does. One of the things he does is whenever a job is given, whenever something's put out there, he likes to ask follow-up questions to make sure he understands. I, I could learn from him. I could do that better. Nothing wrong with that. But when we compare ourselves and I want what you have and I don't have it, takes us to a bad place. Here's some areas that that can happen with. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I'm not satisfied with what I have. And you look at the person sitting next to you or your neighbor, and I'm not satisfied with what I have. I was telling somebody between the service, my, my neighbor is a general manager of a Honda dealership. They have two brand new Hondas in their driveway every six months. My Honda is on life support. <laughs> Not quite. I'm very thankful for the vehicle we have, and it's a gift from the Lord, and I rejoice in it. And, but I could sit there and go, hey, how come he? That guy doesn't even love Jesus. And he gets to have all of this. How come I don't get to have this? And we compare. It can happen in the church of why is that person like, I, I, I've served Jesus. I love Jesus as much as they do. How come, how come they get that stuff and, and I don't get that stuff? And we compare. We compare about things that we have. Sometimes we're not satisfied with what God has given us. I don't have a pool in my backyard. I don't have a cottage. How come I don't have a, how come I don't have a, how come they do? Paul said, whatever the circumstance, I'll be content I'll be content. Not satisfied with what you have. Here's another one. Not satisfied with how God made you. We talked a little bit about this last week. And um, I, you, you have these gifts and abilities and I don't have them. How come, how come I don't have them? I wish I could do that. Or, or I don't look the way I wish I looked. And how come I can't? And you compare yourself and, and you're not content. You're not satisfied. I want more leads to being ungrateful leads to God failed me when I'm not satisfied I'm really saying Lord you messed up here I, I should have a new car I should have a bigger house I should have children and I don't have children I should have more education I should have I should have I should have Paul says, Lord, you failed me. Paul says, I've learned to be content. 
One of the things that I found, and our elders, uh, we talked about this, we found ourselves doing this a little bit. We, you always want to learn from other people. We need to be life learners. That's what it's all about. We, we always want to be learning. But we found ourselves, as our church, always looking at the Harvest Bible Chapels and only picking the thing that they did really well and then wondering why we didn't do that as well as they do. And so, why does Oakville do that so well? And why does London do that so well? And why does Barrie do that so well? And why does Durham do that so well? And why does, and, and why can't we do those things well, right? There's nothing wrong from learning from them. But what we, I think, we took our eyes off of is, yeah, they did that well, and we do this well. And they did this well, and they got all this other stuff they're still trying to figure out. And we did this well, and we're trying to, and so be careful when you compare. Because you go, I want, I want what that guy has, but you only want the stuff he has that's stuff you don't want, that you don't have. You don't want the burden that he has. You don't want the trial that he has. You don't want all of the other stuff that's underneath that that you don't know about. We have to kill the dragon of comparison. It leads to jealousy. It leads to insecurity. It leads to a discontentment. It leads to, Lord, you're not coming through for me. And yet we don't know what the end of the story is. We don't know what the journey God has us on. We don't know the pathway that he's taking us down and what he's desiring to do and maybe how he's pruning us and growing us. Paul, Paul learned to be satisfied in every circumstance. And in verse 12, he said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret I've learned the secret of facing plenty and of having hunger. I've learned the secret of abundance and of need. He says, I've learned the secret. And we're going to come to that in just a minute. But we find ourselves in a world that's filled with comparison. And it's causing us to take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want what I want more than I want what God wants for me. Watch this uh, little video. on me, but um, being thankful and being grateful and considering that God it cares for us and he's the one who is protecting and leading and helping us. Rockefeller was asked the question about how much money is enough. You've heard this before. His answer, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. 
How much money is enough? Just a little bit more. And that's true for us. We get caught up in this too. Like we always, I want this thing and then, and then I want this thing and then I want this thing and then I want this thing. And we're really caught in the same trap he was caught in. I just want a little bit more, which another way of saying is I'll never have enough. I'll never have enough. And yet Paul says, I've learned to be content. I don't want to covet what other people have. I don't need more money. I don't need more power or control. I don't need more pleasure in my life. I don't need more leisure time. I don't need more food. I don't need more fame. Lord, help me to take my eyes off of these things that are making me so unsatisfied and find my contentment in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Here's three uh, P words that might help you understand to use as a little check to see how you're doing in this area of satisfaction and contentment. The first one is, are you content with your current possessions? Are you content with your current possessions? All of those things that, that you have that are, have your name on them, are you content with those? Are you content with God's provision for you? But, but, but I would like to be able to go out for dinner more times. But I would like to be able to have this, kind of. I would like to be able to. Are you content with God's provision for you? Here it gets really practical. Are you content with your current paycheck? Are you content? Paul said, I'm content. I've learned to be content when I have a lot. And I've heard, learned to be content when I don't hardly have anything. I've learned to be content, satisfied with God's people, satisfied with my circumstances. This is the part that for me, I struggled with so much as I studied this. And it's to remember where Paul is as he's writing this statement about his contentment. He's in prison. He's not going anywhere. You would think if anyone would be going, you know, Lord... I was content when I wasn't in prison. I was content even when I was on the ship, not sure where we were going. I've learned, he said. I've learned to be content. Well, the next thing, Paul was satisfied with God's strength. Look at verse 13, because this is the answer to the secret in verse 12. Remember verse 12, he says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here it is. The answer is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The answer to the secret in verse 12 is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was satisfied with God's strength. John uh, 15 verse 5 needs to come up alongside of this verse we just read because it says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing for eternity is going to be accomplished apart from the Lord Jesus Christ working in your life. And so Paul's in prison, not going anywhere. And the thing that he got is God's accomplishing exactly what he wants to accomplish in my life right now. The circumstance you're in right now, God can use to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish. And we need to learn to be satisfied to that, in that and trust him in that and even learn to rejoice in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. The secret of Paul's independence 
was his dependence upon God. God who enable him to bear any trial, to perform any duty, to subdue any evil attack, to meet every kind of temptation. The God who would help him to bear the fatigue, to struggle through the cold. The God who would help him through the hunger and the temptation and the persecution and the difficulties in his ministry. The secret, the secret is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And yet we live in our little world where we just want more and we just want more and we just want more. Is it wrong to have stuff? No. But it's wrong when stuff has you. There are lots of people in the Bible who were wealthy and the Lord blessed them and used them. And Paul said, the secret for me is God is my strength. So the stuff that you desire, the stuff that you want, what you're going after, can you bring that to the Lord and, and pray that out and say, Lord, I believe this is what you have for me. This is what, or is it like, yeah, no, I'm not praying about that. Are you kidding? When you have that kind of trust that, that I can do everything through him who strengthens me, then you don't need to fail under any trial. You don't need to yield to any temptation. You don't need to fall when you're harassed or for him tortured or people come up against you. And you don't need to dread what is to come. Because everything I need, God will provide the way because I can do everything through him. Through him. Focused on him. On your list to do, through him. On your list of what you want, through him. You can do all things through him. Paul was satisfied with God's people. He was satisfied with his circumstances. Paul was satisfied with the fact that God was his strength. Here's another one. Paul was satisfied with God's story. Paul was satisfied with God's story. Look at the, the next verses are really a, a testimony he gives to us. He said, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Sue and I prayed with someone after the last service who struggled with this point. Satisfied with God's story. Because as you look back at that story, it was an ugly story. It was a hard story. It was so easy for them to look back to that and go, hey, I'm not satisfied with that story. That's not a good story. It was great to be able to take a few minutes with that person for Sue and I and then to pray with them and just to say, but look what God's done in your story. And look at how ugly it was. And it was ugly. And look at how desperate it was. And it was desperate. And look what God has done. And look what he's doing. And you're not what you used to be. It's not you anymore. God has done this and he's doing this in your life. And you need to rejoice in what God's doing. 
Now, I was talking to her. I was thinking about Paul's story. His story is almost the opposite. His story, like, from a human perspective, he was in the sweet spot. And now his story is like, are you kidding me? My story sucks. I'm in prison. And yet he's satisfied with his story. He's satisfied with what God is doing in his life. He's satisfied with the way God is working. In our, are you? Are you satisfied with who God is and how he is working and what he is doing? How he's pouring out his blessing in your life. Now look at these verses in uh, verse, um, well, verse 15. He says in verse 14, it was kind of you to share with my trouble. And he says, and you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me. He was on his own. No one else supported him except you. Even in Thessalonica, and you read through the books of Thessalonians, you'll see they work night and day to support themselves. And then he said that you came and you sent me help for my needs once and again. And then he says this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Long time ago, probably uh, 24 years ago, 25 years ago, I served in a ministry where I had to go out and raise my own support. And uh, so there were churches that supported me, and there were people that supported me. Centennial Community Church, which joined with us to become Harvest Bible Chapel, was one of the churches that supported me in that ministry. So I had to go out. I had to go and do that thing of raising support. And I was thankful for Centennial Community Church. And I was thankful for other churches and people that supported me in that ministry. And I can remember writing letters or going visiting them and thanking them because I was the recipient. I was so thankful for it. I was so thankful for it. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to notice what I missed in this. And I want you to notice what Paul lays out for them. He says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit that increases to your, to your credit. The people that supported me, there was fruit that was being increased to their credit. Uh, we give uh, 5% right off the top of our budget towards church planting. Uh, George, during the announcements, he talked about three churches that are planting during this month. That, hey, church, that's fruit that's increasing to our credit. We need to thank the Lord for that. We need to rejoice in what God is doing in that. We have been a blessing so that three churches can launch. We did our part early in our processes here. The Lord allowed us to plant a church in Durham, Ontario. Pastor Ian's there now. They've got four or 500 people. I don't even know anymore how many people they've got. And God is working in that church. And he is, and we had the ability to help them and support them and give money to them and send people there. And, and God blessed us. It was to our credit, not to our pride, but to our credit, and we need to rejoice, and we need to be thankful in it. The Lord allowed us to be part of a little church over in Girok, Romania. The pastor's wife there, her name is Nellie, and Nellie, not well, and they needed to have a procedure done, and they couldn't afford it, and the Lord allowed us to send money over there so that she could go to another country to have the procedure done. It was a blessing to our credit. 
The Lord has allowed us to be part of the church plant in, in Ploiesh, Romania. Uh, Pastor Sam is there. Pray for Pastor Sam right now. Pastor Sam has chicken pox. I talked to him on Thursday, fortunately by Skype, but he looked like a teenager with zits right now. So you pray for him. And, uh, but the Lord allowed us to support that church. The Lord allowed us to send a gift at Christmas time so that they could have a part-time worship leader and a, a person to help with administration. And that's to our credit. We, we need to rejoice in that. We need to be thankful in that. The Lord's allowed us to be part of Newmarket and, and what's gone on there. And for over a year now, we've been pouring into that and pouring in resources and and making some sacrifices here in the process, but it's to our credit. God has blessed us as a church with so much. And now we have the opportunity to serve in Haiti and Montelevoot and to be part of the church there. And, and we are blessed by it. We should never take a look at what we give, the sacrifices, the gifts we make at, at, as a, boy, we, we really gave that up. No. It's what we get. It's what we receive. It's the blessing, and we need to rejoice in it and be thankful in it and praise the Lord for what he's doing. Not that I seek the gift, he said, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, that's what the Lord has done for us. That's what the Lord has worked in our church, and that's God's working, and that's his story in our church. And that doesn't even begin to talk about the things that many, many, many of you do in this church in supporting other ministries and supporting people and individuals that we support in our church and all of that and all of that, Paul says, it's, it's for your credit. And Paul was satisfied with God's story, even though it was a difficult one, even though he was in prison It was a credit to our account. It was a kindness done so that the ministry of the gospel could go on. It was a kindness done so the servants of God could serve and be, their needs be met. It was a, a benevolence or it was an evidence of genuine love. And Paul looked back as his story seemed to be going downhill and he's satisfied with God's story. God help me. God help me to be satisfied with God's story and trust him for what he's going to do and the difficulty that can come and will come. But I choose to be satisfied. I choose to be content. Matthew 6, 19 says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Paul describes their gifts to him and the way that's blessed his, his story as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to God. It's a picture of the Old Testament sacrifice that was brought and how God was satisfied with it. And he uses that imagery for them to, to understand. Are you satisfied with God's people? Are you satisfied with your circumstances? 
Are you satisfied with God's strength to take you through whatever you might need? Are you satisfied with God's story? Here's another one. Are you satisfied with God's provision? With God's provision specifically for the church. Look at verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Just take that statement apart. It's a sermon in itself. My God. That speaks of the foundation. My God. The sovereign one. The one who's in control. The creator. My God. Will supply. That's his promise. My God will supply, not might supply, not I hope he will supply. My God will supply. My God will supply what? Every need of yours. Not the kind of needs we talk about. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need a new boat. I need a new girlfriend. I need a new wife. I need a new, not that kind of needs, but the needs that are real in our life. God in his supply knows what our needs are. And he says, my God will supply Every need of yours, God knows what you need. It says, according to his riches in glory, that speaks of his resources. God, the creator of heaven and earth, God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one with the resources to meet your need. And yet you're out there and I'm out there trying to meet these needs on our own and trying to just move things around to get what we want. And God's saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. I'll supply all of your need. According to my riches, he says. According to my riches and glory, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, because of the finished work of our Savior. And God often does that work through his people as he's done it through us and blessing others, but God says, I will supply. It was Hudson Taylor who said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. It's true in our church, and it's true in your life. When we try and do it our way, we'll always be a penny short. When we try and do it our way, we'll always be unsatisfied. But God's work done in God's way will never lack his resources. It's true for you as a person. Here's some things you can think about that might help you see um, how you view God's provision. Five thoughts, like really, really quick. Well, the first one is, what do I want most in life? What do, you, what do you want most in life? And then can you put that up against, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you can't match it up against that verse, you have a wrong priority. What do I want most in life? Here's another one. What do I think about most? What do I think about most in life? Do you spend most of your time thinking about, man, you know, if I could just win the lottery, if I just won the lottery, you know, here's, what, here's what I would do. You're not satisfied. You're not satisfied. I don't buy tickets for the lottery. I don't think we should buy tickets for the lottery. I'm not going to judge you if you do, but I'm telling you, it's so often, it's like I'm not satisfied. And so I'm looking for some easy way to get all this money because then my life would be fine except you're not trusting the Lord. You leave the Lord right out of the, the equation. You're like, no, 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 but you don't understand, Pastor. If, if I won like $6 million, I'd give half of it to the church. Well, thank you, but you're still not trusting the Lord. What do you spend your time thinking about in what you want and what you desire and how does it line up with what God would have you desire? What I think about 
how I spend my spare time, where I spend my money. Here's another one that tells a lot about how you feel about satisfaction and resources and who are my heroes? Who are the people who I follow after? Now, those are the people. That's the example I want. That's the, and you may not, may not have a list of them, but you do it just by the way you talk and by the people you listen to and, and what you hear. And Paul had learned to be satisfied and he tells us to be satisfied with the God who will supply our every need. Two more, really quick. The next one's in verse 20. He says, I'm satisfied with one hope. I'm satisfied with my hope. Verse 20 says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am satisfied with the hope that I have in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's where my satisfaction comes. So do you find yourself talking about your satisfaction in I've got this job, I've got this pension plan, I've got this many cars, my family's going to this school, I've got, is that where your conversation is? Is that what you talk about? Because what you talk about is an indicator of your heart. Or is your heart filled with comments that would be about to our God and our Father be glory forever and ever because he is your hope. He's your hope on this earth. And he is your hope for eternity. I just need to say, if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is not a knock on you. This is just the reality that we all faced at one point in our life. You, you'll never be satisfied. Because you want what you want. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unless you surrender yourself to who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always struggle. You'll always push against. Hey, as believers, we struggle. As a non-Christian, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always want more. But Jesus came to meet that satisfaction. He came to supply everything we need. He came to give us eternal life. The, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The satisfaction of knowing where your eternity will be spent is found in Jesus Christ. The satisfaction of, of being contented with what I have on this earth. It all makes sense when we understand we live on this earth for what's coming for us. And what's in this earth is just passing away. It's not that important to me. But you have to be in Christ where the old desires, the old passions are gone. They're being put to death. They're being changed with a new vision towards who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us. And if you've never trusted Christ, that's my prayer, my cry for you today. You would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in his work finished for you on the cross. And today you would be saved and you will find satisfaction in Christ. Paul was satisfied with his hope if you're not saved, you will find satisfaction only in Jesus Christ. But church, he's our hope. And our satisfaction is found in him. Not in your stuff, not in your things, not in your circumstances. Our hope is in him. One more. 
satisfied with grace. So Paul comes, he gives us an amen. You thought the book was over. Oops, not quite. He had a little bit of space at the bottom of the page. So he said this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they greet you. It's like high fives are going around now, right? Um, all the saints greet you, especially those who are in Caesar's household. So everybody's sending greetings back and forth. You know, we all do that. Say, say hi for me, say hi for me. And he's doing all that, but he, he adds something to it. He says, uh, to all the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's riches at Christ's expense, not getting what you deserve and getting what you don't deserve. That is the foundation of our satisfaction. Paul was satisfied with grace. He was satisfied with the gift. He was satisfied with what God had done for him and how God had worked in him and he saw it all as God's unmerited favor poured out on his life. Well, so what? So what? Two sentences. Contentment, satisfaction comes from having the priority of godliness, not gain. When the focus is on godliness and not gain, I will be satisfied. Contentment comes from having the perspective of the eternal, not the temporal. When my eyes are on what God is doing and his provision for me, and not on this, then I will be satisfied. So church, how are you doing? Paul said, I've learned to have a lot, I've learned to have a little, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned, and I've chosen contentment. I've chosen satisfaction in Jesus Christ. God help me, God help us to be focused on being like Christ in godliness and not the stuff we can get in this world. And God help me to get a focus that's outside of these next whatever years I have and a focus on eternity that God might work for his fame and his glory in Jesus Christ in my life and the words that would be said about me, satisfied in Christ Jesus. Will that be said about you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that it is. Father, we live in a world where we're bombarded every day with ungodly teaching that we should have more, that we should have it all, and that we can have it now. And Lord, we get caught up in that sometimes. We get focused on the wrong things. And yet, Lord, we see Paul in his illustration of his life and his working. We see, Lord, the way that you took him and in his circumstances, he chose to be thankful, satisfied, rejoicing in all that you have done for him. God, give me that kind of heart. Give us that kind of heart and use us for your glory and for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.